0: This podcast is made in association with Wave Motion Canon. You can contact us on Twitter at warrideshow or email us at warrideshow at gmail.com. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes, like, subscribe, follow and share. Hello everyone and welcome back to Stream of Thought. The only weekly podcast that's actually sponsored by gold farmers. Um, with me today, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry that was that got me. I
1: broke the cardinal rule of not speaking or making a sound until you introduced me. But uh,
0: you you caught me off guard with that one. Well, I it's okay. After you've calmed down, I do know someone who can sell you like 10 million World of Warcraft gold for forty dollars if you want. I mean. He he seems like a reliable guy. I mean he only put 5 keyloggers on my PC. It's fine. But anyway, um I am shaded. Uh your co-host big mouth loud mouth big mouth strikes again. Um and with me of course as always is the ever wonderful uh, Mr. Doxer, MD PhD Esquire. Got him a PhD player hating degree. Uh-huh. <laughs> But what about the game-hating degree? Did you never get that? I thought I thought that was the better way. I've always been told not to to
1: hate the games. The games are lovely snowflakes, entirely innocent in their programming. Oh, the... It's the douchebag players that we have to hate. Look, right, as
0: a fighting game player, the amount of times <laughs> I've had that discussion, I could not even count. But we're not here today <laughs> to talk about gold farmers or fighting games or my lack of hair none of that dp cr
1: five two seven j h k
0: s no uh but what we have here today to talk about is recovery of an MO junkie so this is now episode three uh which is called you and i the cowards it's my uh autobiography it's you know mine and my brother oh <laughs> don't be don't be silly don't be silly like, I thought, I thought you, I thought your autobiography would have been how I became cool before uncool was cool. That is, I can't even follow what you just did. So, no witty retort. That That's why it would be a New York Times bestseller. God. It's always the incomprehensible shit that ends up getting top there. I kid, I kid, I kid. Um, <laughs> so, this episode this is where we again start to get more details revealed and more of the incoming setup for the, you know, wacky hijinks that we're going to end up with. Um, the opening scene of this episode, or at least a good quarter of it, if not a third of it, is actually about Sakurai and his co-worker, uh, Korai, I believe it is? I can't pronounce his name properly, I'm terrible with it. <laughs> Man. Fuck, I had it. I need to read
1: it real quick. Uh-oh. Uh...
0: Koiwai. That's what it is. Koiwai, looks. Koiwai. Yes. Koiwai-san. 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 So, Koiwai and Sakurai. are All right, I'm going to do their on,
1: I have to do Here's my best Koiwai impression. All right. <clears throat> Here we go. Mori Mori-chan.
0: <laughs> that's actually pretty legit. That's pretty That's pretty impressive. That's Mori pretty good. Mori
1: Mori-chan. <laughs> oh my
0: god. <laughs> I hope I hope you never ever refer to your wife as Annie Annie Chan. Oh my gosh. She would if you, if, uh,
1: there would be a, a what I could only describe as a withering stare. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Those are the worst. Those are yeah. the absolute worst. Like if looks could kill. I mean, you, ow. Uh, okay, don't ever ever do that. Not no. even as an act, not even by accident. I mean, like not
1: to digress too much, but whenever I, and i do it now just to get on her nerves but uh whenever i just even do the weebish thing of using the term baka in everyday discourse oh my god uh, she just looks at me like i might be something found on the bottom of a shoe and now i do it just to receive that look because it makes me happy <laughs>
0: No, the true tech would be if she just literally went, Barker, that's how you pronounce it. Get it right. I thought you were a weeb. God damn it. So, Sakurai and Kowai, uh, they're enjoying a nice, lovely slap-up meal on their lunch break. It looks actually like a place I would really like to go to eat, come to think of it. Not to mention that they serve their beers in giant steins, which is always, like, instant, yes, please, 10 out of 10 Trip Advisor racing from me. Like, I love, I love beer in steins. It's so good. But anyway... Uh, so this is where we actually get introduced to one of the few, if only characters who so far that we know of does not actually have an online persona mm. um which is Kowai. And we also get introduced to his relationship with Sakurai, his co-worker, and it's very much a Sakurai, I think, is senior to Kowai, or at the very least is very close to being as senior as him, but Kowai absolutely ribs him constantly. I think Kowai is his
1: like like is, is his senior. He's mm. sort of studying under him.
0: Kowai absolutely has the relationship on lockdown between yes. the two of them. It's yes. constant ribbing. <laughs> Sa- Sakura-chan. Sakura-chan. That's so good. Yes, I love it. That he calls him Sakura like, is so amazing. Yeah. Mocking him having a feminine name and not realizing what you know he gets up to anymore. I, mean, I imagine if Kowai ever found out that um, Sakurai played a female character, and a female character like Lily... Like that would be him, like striking gold right there. That that would be a button he would push every single day, and he would never stop pushing it.
1: What if? What if? What if the boy with brown hair, from the flashback, was Kawasaka? Oh, 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 oh. Oh. I don't.
0: Are you you making bets now as much as
1: I am? (laughs) I want. I want it to be Sakurai. Like I'm sure that. They'll either leave it as, uh, like, vague, or
0: uh oh, or outright ooh. say that it's Sakurai, Wait. but like... Oh, you could be right, because because we'll find out later on. Um But Sakurai mentions, as Lily, that he met someone precious in a game. Yep. That he doesn't get to speak to. Oh, oh my god. I, do- I don't know if I'd be happy with that because that feels way too coincidental. It sure does. I mean, well, this entire show... Be-
1: like, rests on its yeah. ...is so many coincidences, but I I do agree with what you're saying that that's, like, the next level up of of coincidence. Like, that is just... That's where you start getting, like, where, okay, this is seems pretty contrived. This is, this is fate. But, yeah, ho- hopefully, like... It is left as vague. What, if it was koi that would just be... Or, sorry,
0: koi that would be ridiculous. I, I don't want it... I think that it's, if we're to just address this topic now, if I were to write this, I would not have the identity of um, Moriko's um, former MMO friends be revealed at all. Yeah. I would have them simply exist as they do now, where they were positive influence, but for reasons that, like I said in the previous episode, sometimes you don't need to be too specific were left unsaid as to why they drifted apart. I mean, I can attest to the fact that, regrettably, um, people did, over time, leave World of Warcraft when I was playing it. I, in turn, left because I got sick of the game. I got bored of it. Mm. Um, And I somewhat regret that, to be quiet, because the the people who I were with um, when we were all together in that guild on the hard side, um, all great people. There were one or two Muppets who caused a a fair bit of drama because they were 12-year-old Impudent, prepubescent man children, but you know, there's always going to be a bad apple in a group. But a lot of those people yeah. were really, really great. And mm. I can certainly sympathize with Morico's perspective of looking back on those people that I knew and yeah. having very fond memories of them. I mean, I discussed that in the very first episode. But as is also attested by Sakurai plays I mean I'm admittedly jumping ahead narratively here, but I think it's important to address this. Uh, Sakurai Lily makes a very valid point that although that happened then with the person that he felt was precious, he's open to the, mind, the, the idea of meeting new people. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's important to value the relationships and the memories you have with people you don't necessarily speak to anymore, but also be open-minded to who you can meet tomorrow. Who, who knows who you might bump into or who you might suddenly um, encounter? I mean, there's a scene later on in which, in this episode in which uh, Morico is visiting the same supermarket again that she had done previously and is buying more Fruits de mer money. uh, Digital money. And she's taking it to the counter. Uh, She speaks and says hello to the counter attendant who, I don't know if, has it been revealed yet who he is? No, it hasn't actually, no. We have not uh, met him. Also, you did not
1: pronounce the game name correctly. I am so sorry. Fruits de No. Fruits de mer,
0: Fruits de mer,
1: Fruits de -de -de mer.
0: Sounds like if I did that any better, I reckon I could make that into a decent Ramstein song. But, well, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. But anyway, um, the thing that I was going to mention, though, is that he has previously noted, being an attentive person he is, that she was picking up through de Mer um, money. And he sees it again and is about to talk to her about it, but then gets interrupted because there's a customer behind. So obviously he can't have a long chat with her about it while this other gel is waiting to be served. But as that's the stats that proves my point though, you never know who you might meet, who might share more mm-hmm. similar interests than you might realize. And
1: Moriko in that scene, or Morioka, doesn't really know. It's like she sort of understands that something happened, but she doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. It just it made me like at first my reaction was like, "Gosh, people are so dense sometimes." And then it just I don't know made me think like, well. I mean, we just have this nice advantage of the god's eye point of view, yeah um, but when you're in those shoes uh when you're you know when you're inserted into that scenario and you have the point of view of a person in it, perhaps it is more difficult to notice when someone is trying to or wanting to meet you or talk to you or whatever, so like uh it just made me like sort of think like, well, I should be more outgoing because there's probably like a lot of times where people are trying to engage with me but there are these other factors that come up where they feel like they can't Mm. uh, especially if i'm not plugged in and engaged so it made me feel simply like i said first it made me think you know ah, you why are you so dense and then i took a moment to have some empathy
0: yeah I have a different take on that scene, but we will I'll come back to that in a bit when we reach it narratively. Okay. Um, and weirdly, it is a take that is arguing from the null hypothesis, which is to say that I'm arguing because uh, that this is a thing because of something we haven't actually explicitly been seen or told. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. anyway, uh, we'll get to that soon enough. Back, however, to, you know, happy fun times with uh, Sakurai getting bullied the fuck out of by yeah. uh, <laughs> Um So... Sakurai actually starts beating because he realizes that he recognizes where Morioka was from, uh, where she worked previously, and it turns out to be a business that Koi is familiar with. So he says, "Did you know this person?" and then shows her him a technical manual. I don't know why he brought that with him or printed out. It's he could have just literally said, "But <laughs> I know <laughs> uh, it's because
1: it's because Sakurai is such a nerd. He's so like thorough and straightforward and like going to like." he is together i mean the fact that he didn't have his business card with him you could tell the anxiety like cuz he's supposed to have his business cards with him in the last supposed episode to be composed. so like the fact that like he's going to he's just going to ask you know about a person no he's going to bring like a paper clipped report of stuff he dug up on them which it like i think is reflected in his online personality too lily being yeah. as straightforward and earnest as she is
0: oh yeah definitely I mean, I just think that it's regrettable that he didn't end up having a career choice as a detective. He would <laughs> nail people to the wall with the amount of detail he whips out. Like, <laughs> like, mild-mannered and good-natured as he is. Like, oh, I did, I wasn't there at this time. Actually, yes, you were, and you were smoking a cigarette. I have the butts right here. Tokyo
1: Noir for the Nintendo Switch.
0: <laughs> if there was a se- series to this which involved Moriko and Sakurai, like, Doing their own like good cop, bad cop routine, I would totally watch the fuck out of that. That would be amazing. Just a silly silly spin-off. Great, do it. Let's go. So, tell me about your dad. <laughs> right. Okay, so Sakurai tells Kawaii about this and Kawaii remembers whom Mario is. And this of course then leads to the wonderful uh double barreled nickname of Mori Mori Chan. Um if someone <laughs> called me JoJo Chan, I think I would probably strangle them. So, Mm. God bless Marioka for having the patience. But we then get a flashback. And this is actually Kowai's flashback. So when he's ringing Marioka's office at 11 at night, asking us to look at some documents. And a couple of interesting things happen here. So Marioka, like, answers the phone in place of someone else who should be there. And she's very apologetic, very like, I'm so sorry. Like, I really feel bad for this poor woman because she has a very strong guilt complex. She's very self-depreciating. Yeah, And I think this very much ties into how we see her like finally cut loose a little bit when she's actually playing the game and is finally allowed to be herself. Mm-hmm. I mean, never mind, they may make- actually make pains with that technical manual I mentioned to point out that she's very good at what she does. She's very good at her job. So it's not a case of her being incompetent and being yelled at all the time because she's crap. She does a good job. So what happens next is that she starts actually crying over the phone when speaking to Koai. Mm. We don't really get much indication of why this is, other than it's just, it's awful to hear. Like, I, mean, I have to give props to the voice actress. Here. I mean, again, I can't mm-hmm. intone Japan. I can't understand Japanese for crap. I mean, I can say Gomenasai, <laughs> and I can say Arigato, but I still can't say not guilty yet, so that's going to stop me from going to Japan anytime soon. <laughs> um, but she does a very good job of sounding like really like distressed, like well, not so sort distressed, of but, like, emotional. Like, she's just barely holding back. She's still trying to be professional while still letting the dam burst a little bit. Yeah. Um. Kawai-, Kawai reacts with his usual well-spirited self, like, and just... He teases her a little bit, but he doesn't go all in on her. He doesn't, like... And he isn't, like, overly sincere either. But I found this scene really telling for one reason. So, you remember before how there was that assertion of real life is real life and online is online? Mm-hmm. So they're having a phone conversation here, in which neither of the two of them have ever met before. In fact, until at this point, they still haven't met each other. At least not from what we understand so far in the anime. They don't know what like mm-hmm. each other looks like or anything like that. Does this not strike you as being slightly similar to the interactions in the game itself? In that this is people mm. not being physically present with each other. And then allowing them to be more honest with themselves. Yeah. And I think, again, this is another example of the show conflating the real life, real life, online online thing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because poor morico like only when she's actually speaking to someone on the phone that she has never met before who for all she knows could be an entirely different part of the country who Mm -hmm. could probably not give less of a shit about what she has to say other than just getting the documents done she weeps a little bit she's finally allowed a moment just to try and express herself. like she feels like now that she's not in the physical presence of someone she can actually cut loose a little bit and speak to them yeah like and maybe just emote a little bit you
1: know what you're saying now made me think of a non-MMO video game called Soma. Have you ever played Soma? I know of it. It's a horror game, isn't it? It is. The horror parts are are not the like the good parts of the game are the science fiction and the world building stuff. Mm-hmm. And a lot to be very brief, a lot of that game deals with um, transhumanism. Mm-hmm. Uh, insofar as like consciousnesses of flesh and blood people being carried over into robots there is a character who you get the i I forget how but you sort of get the impression that like she was maybe a bit like uh, morioka when she was a human but when she talks about being her consciousness being in a computer she talks about how freeing it is like she's just sort of like it's kind of like being a human, but I feel so much more at ease like I, I felt uncomfortable in my own skin. You know, I felt, you know, more just something about physical presences and, and physical contact was like nerve wracking or off putting and she just felt so much uh, more herself and more able to better interact with people when there she wasn't in her physical body. Yeah. And I, so yeah. in a very sort of long way around way relating to this, like the interaction here between Koiwai and Morioka, and then between Hayashi and the other characters in the game on the part of the people playing them, I don't know, like it's just interesting to think about interactions with other people kind of through these mediums of technology and how for some people, the the non physical nature of the interactions is like freeing
0: for them. Very and liberating, their... yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, yeah. I agree. I mean, there's a very obvious and unfortunately negative example of this in the online trolling. Um, I feel very confidently, and this is entirely anecdotal, but I feel very confidently that take your average online troll, someone who starts spewing abuse at you online for whatever reason that might be. I very strongly get the opinion feeling that a lot of these people, the vast majority of them, would never, ever say that to your face in the same circumstances. Even if they had already said it to you online and knew it was you there in person. I... Like, I've had blistering arguments with people online. They've never said the similar thing to my face since then. And I have to confess, I found it difficult to simply say to people in person, you're being a twat. But I have then done so online to them after the fact... And I'm ashamed of that fact that I... Not of the fact that I did call them a twat, because in the exam, in the cases that I happened, I felt, and I'm saying I felt because I'm not, of course, going to put objective measurement on this, but I felt it was deserved. But I felt it was also the more mature thing to actually have said it in person and treat them with that. Because it's true that in communication, body language actually is the majority of what's important. Like, I can't remember the exact figure, but I know for certain... That when you're talking with someone, if you take the body language element away, it actually does more than taking the actual words away. Yeah, I think it's between 80 and 85% of communication is nonverbal. It's a very, very high number. So obviously when you're dealing with an MMO or the phone, um, you'll lose that out. And mm-hmm. for some people, maybe that causes a message to be lost, but in other cases, maybe it allows them to be more liberated in what they say and how they act.
1: Yeah, perhaps there's just so much
0: stimuli yeah. with the body language that it's overwhelming. Absolutely. I think, again, like, with this example, maybe I'm reading in too much into this, Just be, maybe it's just a simple phone conversation. But, again, we have an interaction that's not between people physically present, which is with the game. And I think that that helps not only to illustrate that Mario could, like, you know, it doesn't really relate to people in person. Mm-hmm. But also, it again conflates the game world with the real one and shows the equivalence of the social interactions there it's it doesn't matter how you what method you use to communicate be in person be at phone be at that as long as you can at least talk and let your feelings out yeah lily um sakurai makes a very big point of this on multiple occasions with how they she says you know i like to come here and talk to tree i don't really have anyone i can vent to online or in person for that matter I think it is important. I mean, we've discussed this at length on other times, like with the Orange Cast, for example, that we did, mm-hmm. of how important it is to be able to have people talk uh, to each other. And I think in some cases, it's very natural to be afraid of doing so. So for Marioka, uh, like just having this random guy who she's never met, spoken to before, just for a moment to get the let the barrier drop and just let herself be emotive and let herself unbottle some of what's bothering her. I think that's very telling. The scene, however, then concludes with us coming back, and that's how Koi met her. And he actually shows a picture of her when she was dressed in a work uniform with her hair tied up to Sakurai. Um, so they head their separate ways. Now, what then follows is we actually have Marioka then walking through uh, town to go to the supermarket, and she's having it in a monologue. And I thought this was the scene that you mentioned before where she goes to the supermarket. So you recall how I said I had an interpretation on this scene, how I had a theory? Mm-hmm. So Mario is giving herself a lot of encouragement in her head over what's yeah. happened.
1: <laughs> she thinks she's nailed it. It's <laughs> yeah. the email to the reply to Sakurai, yeah.
0: Yeah, but it made me think, has she ever had anyone actually say that to her? Like, in person? Right. This is right. what I'm saying about arguing from the null hypothesis here, because there's no proof that she ever wasn't just active. This is the issue I mentioned in the other episode, where I feel we might need to have the work issues fleshed out a bit more Not to the point where she's dissected, like, live on air, like, you know, like, we get to the absolute core of her and understand every nook and cranny. Mystery is sometimes just as much as important as is understanding every intricate detail of a character. Are you saying
1: that this show should continue to employ the Dark Souls method of storytelling?
0: (laughs) We're done. We're done. <laughs> You're the one mentioning Dark Souls and yet it is I who have died. I will be at the campsite. <laughs> I hate you. This is the end of Worry Desho. <coughs> Thanks, folks. Good night. Badunk. Okay, <laughs> no. stop that. Let's crack on. Okay, so my point is though, I think that Marioka's like, tried, like, she's had what to her is a victory, even though it's towards a very token one. I mean, how many emails do you send a day, Doc? A lot, I would suspect. A lot. A I lot. said a lot. Now, admittedly, then probably not of the nature that Baroque said, but hers was just an apologetic thing to a guy. That's it. But, yeah, I just, at one point,
1: she says she she can't believe she got an email asking her out. Yeah. Which is incredible Um, to me. I mean, I, I guess... I mean, I guess, like, those words strictly and literally interpreted, like... Perhaps that's not a common method of asking one out, but in the context of the show, it just seems like, as you were saying, like, man, she just has not had anyone pay her mind at all. And that's just so, it's
0: deeply sad. But then flashback to episode one, who is the character who is encouraging her for the very first real encouragement she gets when she goes yep. into Fruit Air? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So again, I thought that was uh, telling that maybe she. But again, I'm arguing from absence of evidence rather than seeing it. And I prefer to see things rather than presume otherwise. But anyway, mm-hmm. anyway. So we have that scene, and then we flick back after the break, and this is where uh, Marco, as I actually speaking with one of the other guild members, whose name is uh, Poyo. He's the he's the like he's the asterisk looking dopey guy with the giant button nose. <laughs> he's 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 pretty cool. I like him. I like yeah, yeah. Um And they're having a discussion about things. Um, and at that point, uh, Hayashi receives a gift. And color me wrong here. It, maybe I'm incorrect on this, but did the outfit that Hayashi received look an awful lot like... God, what was that spineless twerp's name from Sword Art Online again? What was his name? <laughs> what was Kirito. That? Oh, yeah, that shit said. That was him, right. <laughs> yeah, that guy. The guy I want to punch repeatedly. All right. Did it. Was it just me or did that robe that he received look no, off it like- it does. It does. I'm so unhappy about that fact. <laughs> I already I already made my one joke of Sordar mom line, and already I felt tainted by making it, not least which is a bad joke, but that's beside the point. It's a- no, you take that back. It's a glorious <laughs> joke. But now I have to associate with that. I'm just like, bleh. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Sword Art Online is a discussion for another day, but let's just put it this way.
1: The tri- I- at le- the trim is gold, and in SAO, the trim is either white or silver. Mm. So there's a little bit of a, you know, distinction.
0: Yeah. The Man. finest of. <laughs> you, know, you know, I have to just very briefly segue on this, right? I hate Sword Art Online for many reasons, but you know what's really telling? I only got as far as episode 8. I then decided to read the cliff notes summary of what happens next in Sword Art Online. Man, At that point, you didn't even get to
1: the horrendous parts.
0: It skips two years! And I, when I read that, that it skips two years between episode 8 and episode 9 and they still haven't gotten out of the MMO world, I was just like... Fuck you. <laughs> fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> Who wrote this? You've pissed away the concepts already and now you say that they can't get them out or find the guy who's doing this in two years? The fuck is this shit?! You're not looking for fucking Amelia Rareheart. The fuck are you doing? Write a good story, you twat. Okay, right over. Back to popping. So, okay, so Hayashi um, Marioka that is, uh, gets rather like angsty about this because they don't know if they can, act, if she can actually accept this gift because Moriko seems to very much see this gift giving process like we previously is in. You've done this to me; I must go do something bad for you. It's like the uh, mutually assured gifting, shall we say. Escalating constantly. And... It was, it,
1: did it strike you as a parallel to the email
0: the, situation? Y- now that you've mentioned it, yes.
1: They they sort of have a chance to, to do it in real life and then do it online. Because, unfortunately, in real life, uh, she took the good advice Morioka did that, that she got. And, uh, like, I, I guess in being so kind and polite like to sort of, you know, say like, no, like I couldn't accept anything more from you, you've already done so much for me. Mm. Like she was just being like she she was just doing the right thing in her mind. You know what I mean? Like she, in her mind, she didn't uh, reject Sakurai. I think she's still into him. Mm. Um, And of course it's interpreted on, on the other side as you know, ah, oh, you got turned down. You know, sorry. And yeah. that really sucks. Like, it makes me hate communication via text message.
0: Or any sort of thing. I mean, it's so often that people can find themselves at 90 degree angles where maybe they wouldn't have fucked up anyway, but they would have come to a better understanding of why as opposed to just the, you know, the different interpretations that they have. And it is mm-hmm. a shame. But anyway, um, so... At this point, Pyo mentions to um, to Marioka that he relates a tale of how he dealt with a similar situation with a previous guild member. And he says, be careful just in case there are any ulterior motives. Now, Moriko, the moment she reads those two words, like, all the alarm bells go off in her head. We're at, like, DEFCON 1 here. And... I would sort of get that, were it not for the fact that, again, the gender roles don't like automatically suggest it's going that way. Like, I don't know. It see, it seems like she's reading a line to it, but then again, Moriko, mm-hmm. as is shown many times in this in this anime, overthinks every social interaction of work, of note or mm-hmm. like import to her. Like when she's talking with Pio, like she's obviously not that close to Pio as she is with Lily, so she doesn't think about it too much there. But as we learn in just a moment. <laughs> In the in the one of the greatest social faux pas I've ever seen that didn't actually make me want to kill the person who did it, man. Um, so, l- sat, sorry, Hayashi finds Lily at the tree again, and they have a talk, and he said, and Lily's like, "Did you turn it down? Because it was not to your taste." And Hayashi fumbles like a bit, of it, and then at that moment, Moriko, we cut to her in in her room, and she says in her head, "Oh God, 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 what, 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 what do I say? What do I say?" Ding. Oh, do you have any ulterior motives? That's the sound. <laughs> that's the sound of the world's most. Like, you fucked up golf clap ever. Like, oh my god. Then that happened. I'm not gonna lie. The first time I watched that, I had to pause. I had to pause. I had to stand up. Because I really want Moriko to succeed but I can't abide self-sabotaging behavior like that. Like, that's the... Like, this is not just like speaking with your inner voice. This is speaking with your inner voice in a a communication method that allows you to check before you say it. You can still take it back once you've put it out there. It's a two-step thing. Like, if I spoke with my inner voice in front of someone I hated and said, God, I think he's a prick. I can't stop that from going... I can't then take that back. But in this case, she types it out... And then hit the enter button and saw it being signs out as she was thinking it. And I just can't fucking believe it.
1: She has no filter.
0: Yeah. So Moriko manages to dial it back though, thankfully. Um, and at that point, Lily opens up a little bit with what's happened with her previously. Um, and this is really interesting. I yeah, guess bear in mind that Lily is being played by Sakurai as a guy. So I again have seen many times where support classes get, you know, given shit for all sorts of reasons. In and in, mm-hmm. in my experience with World of Warcraft, I've seen fellow um guild members relate to like how they had tried to do pick-up groups with people who were just fucking useless and as a result they got yelled at and all that. Some of the some of the women female who played female characters uh they got like sent like, you know, oh you are so pretty and all that shit. Like just generally harassed and bothered. Um and God bless Sakurai for building such a you know grade A waifu. I really probably should say <laughs> that. That sounds like an objectifying you or know, whatever. Just
1: Well that's what we see in the in the dialogue bubbles. Yeah. That's one of the things that people are saying.
0: Yeah. Well maybe maybe I should be so blasé about it, but rather, let's just say that he's designed Lily too well. Shall we say? Because yeah, everyone's he's made start- a very cute anime girl. He has, he has, and as a result of that, um, he gets badgered all the time, uh, either for healing because he's also playing a support role, which is that wow, like that's <laughs> like playing playing a cute female character and playing a healer in an MMO, like that is like. That's like going out naked into the woods, only wrapped in a bacon loincloth and just throwing yourself at <laughs> the wolves. It's just not going to end well. Um, and Do wolves like bacon? It's, it's pork. Probably. So I'd, yeah, I'd assume they it They probably would. dig it. So what happens then is that she ends up speaking to the guildmaster for advice, and the guildmaster, he says, well, why don't we become partners? Now, I'm going to ask for your opinion on this, dog. In the context of this show... Does partner mean as in buddy or as in romantically involved when they say that? Oh, I think it's um, I think
1: it's some kind of uh game relationship that has to do with yeah that the characters are linked. I don't think it's romantic. I think it's it's some other kind of right. game relationship link. But but I mean, it it clearly still is significant. You know, yeah. people aren't just partnering up with people randomly and it means something uh, to to Lily and Hayashi and it meant something to Lily for Kanbei to offer that. Um, you know, you knew he said, well, you're getting harassed, just be my partner and, you know, you can kind of hide in that way. Mm.
0: So uh, the reason I asked that, though, is because speaking from my own experience here, I don't think just simply saying that you're buddies with someone would stop the harassment. I think it's not an effective tactic. Whereas I actually did know in my guild, uh, a guy and a girl who were married, who played together a lot. Um, mm-hmm. well, guy played a tank. He was, he was a torrent tank. He was a very good tank As a matter of fact, and the lady played a very good healer as well. Um, female troll healer. She was, um, they were great people, by the way, I wish I'd still knew them and still as contact, but I'll not get morose about that. Um, Mm. So I don't see how that wouldn't, the, the, as given as a buddy, that that would stop that frame. And now I'm not saying, of course, that when the guildmaster says to be a partner, if I meant, if it was meant as a romantic thing, that they would legitimately mean that, but it would just be an, a facade, right? And if it was a facade, it actually then would then tie back into a lot of what's happening elsewhere with the fact that every character in this thing is is a facade in one way or another, a illusion, shall we say. Mm -hmm. so they're building things on top of things like we already have the lie that Marioka gave of her age and what she does not intentionally she just fumbled it but then we've got this whole you know partners thing coming on top of it and maybe it's a buddy thing only maybe not I don't know yeah I mean I think
1: what I assumed and you know this could be me reading into it but it from the way that the characters kind of reacted around it uh it seemed to me like there was some sort of in-game functionality that's not necessarily like one-to-one map to wow like perhaps like if you are partnered up then you you're not publicly shown as like available to party up with and go on quests
0: could very well be the case um i i I mean, for a start, Through de Mer is certainly a lot more pleasant than WoW was at times. Like, some of the stuff I saw in that was just unpleasant, shall we say. Not... Then again, that's any online environment. I mean, I regularly go on Twitter and that's a complete cesspit, so hey, there we go. <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, not exclusive to MMOs. Um, anyway, it's a moot point in the end because what happens then is that Lily, right on cue with the weather effects, like it was planned, <laughs> with the wind sweeping... <laughs> Just <laughs> so good. she so just good. Turns over and says, Hi, she. Would you like to be my partner?" And Baroka. Baroka's reaction again. Credit to the voice actress here. She yells out, "Lily, sad like." But she says it in such a way as if like, "No, I'm not ready. I can't take this." I was, like, the Baroka's voice actress. Absolute props server handling this role as well as she does. Going from like. Being really sad and emotional and like withdrawn to outright screaming like at the top of her head about the most minor shit, having the most overreaction reactive voice ever. She's got range and she's using it brilliantly to great effect.
1: I loved her just rolling around in the bed, like
0: yeah, sad
1: and then happy, and it was it was
0: wonderful. Actually, I need to backtrack a little and mention something that I completely neglected when we were discussing the scene with Pio. Uh, when Moriko has this, like, fantasy in her head of a present she would give to Lily, and it's mm-hmm. drawn in the most Bishonin, like, yeah. <laughs> way imaginable.
1: It's glorious. It's amazing. It looks like... Uh, it, it reminds me of Berserk a little bit. Like, the drawings, like, the still frames. <laughs> yeah, it reminded me of Rose of Versailles. Like, mm. uh, much more, like, in shoujo style. And it's funny because whenever... And then uh the other guy is like oh no your ideas of masculinity are infecting mine whenever his his visions start to become like hayashi's um and i guess that's because maybe they're saying like well this typical male guy here they're not going to think of masculinity in terms of the way that comics for girls depict it <laughs> because <laughs> that's the way that's it came across to me like a very like like a very old kind of um, shoujo comics which is mm-hmm. really that was superb i agree it was really great. funny.
0: it was great and so to cut back though um like i actually of course accepts he puts on the robe that uh, lily gave him Uh, Lily has already put on a matching robe, actually, as well, which is rather sweet. One really nice detail that I liked here, by the way, um, there's a panning shot of, like, the two of them, like, both in frame, looking at each other. You can see that Lily is wearing the crystal rose that was given to her Mm -hmm. in episode one. I I adore little details like that, things that are not, like, explicitly pointed out. Like the fact, again, I mentioned before, that um, Moriko's character, actually has blue hair, much as the you know her other character did in the previous ensemble. The carryover, the lingering identity that continues on. Small details like that, that texture interactions, and show like the value of like that, like what that means to Lily. Like I'm wearing this now as part of my outfit with the one that I've now got here. Yes, please, more of that. That was amazing. I loved that too. I love little bits of world building like that. It's so important. Like the. You just play in little details. But mm-hmm. poor Moriko, like, she freaks out something fierce over this because she's so overjoyed. She feels like she has a crush, but she doesn't. Like, she's confused. Like, I don't think it's... I think it's just like she just genuinely has not felt so strongly about someone in such a long time. Someone who cares about her like that. Yeah. And I think it's very telling, actually. To so just quickly segue onto the items in her apartment there are two things that Moriko has um, that she uses in this episode, one of which is the cat alarm clock when she's doing the pretend, like, you know, presenting the gift. Mm-hmm. And how gutting is that, that you actually don't even have a real cat, but you have a facsimile of one? Like, mm-hmm. Having a pet, like if you're a single person, I think can be a great source of comfort if ever you're lonely, at least have a living, breathing presence in your home with you. As someone who lived by himself in a flat for three years with no pets allowed, I can safely say that that place, small as it was, felt very large and very empty at times. And it was Mm. certainly more heavily populated with furniture than uh, Lily's was, sorry, not Lily's, Mm. uh, Morico's is. Um, And then there's the hug pillow that she has. Like, I think, like, goofy as that is, I think that's actually very telling about what she really wants. She wants physic like, not maybe not intimacy, like, full-on, you know, nookie all the time. Like, I- I'm talking more like <laughs> just someone to hold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though she's absolutely petrified of handling, like, that situation with Sakurai in person. And the fact that she found, like, the, the couple's things stifling in episode one around Christmas time. Mm-hmm. She just wants someone's, some comfort like just someone that she can hold or hug. So the fact that she did that after, immediately after that thing with Lily where they became partners I think there's again a marrying over. There's a crossover here of behavior and how and feeling and what it means to her. Um, but otherwise, once that wraps up, um, that's pretty much the end of the episode.
1: That was beautifully put by the way.
0: <laughs> I do have my moments. That was that was great. I, I, yes, totally concur. Kudos also to the four guild members for hiding behind the same tree and not getting spotted. <laughs> oh my god, yes. That was, that was great. Um, but yeah, that's the end of episode three. So we've learned more about Marioka, we've learned more about Sakurai's own history online, um we've got introduced to Kokai. A lot's happened in this one. Uh, I think for what has so far all been three episodes, this show really does feel like it crams a lot in. I mean I've had to rewatch this a couple of times to make sure I've covered all the points, and I'm still concerned I've missed things out. Yeah, I know.
1: Yeah, you've seen it three times. And the fact that you're not bored to tears is uh that's pretty awesome.
0: It certainly it certainly re- loses its luster on a rewatch, but everything does. There's not a show on this I planet mean, that, yeah. that that isn't that never remains totally fresh on and on. But yep. I think it's also important just again to try and catch details you might miss because clearly the show's interested in showing off little things. Yes. And those are important. Yes. Exactly. So uh, what was your overall feeling on this episode, Doc? Well before we before we
1: move to the wrap-ups, um I wanted to like say that I thought that this episode there was a couple things uh that stuck out like it really captured very, very well. Um, the feeling of like finishing up some stressful stuff, like maybe a long week at work or a like an appointment you were dreading, a meeting, some kind of big looming anxiety inducing task of finishing that mm. and that's done, and just coming home like how refreshing that is and comforting and not just coming home but playing video games
0: i could absolutely a hundred percent get behind that i i
1: felt it like for since i was a kid like have had those like times where you know oh my god this horrible thing that i've known i've had to do for a long time like it's fucking over mm. and now i don't have to worry about shit anymore and i, I can just go home crash
0: and like play secret of mana for five hours you know you're exactly right it's one of my great pleasures always to just like with this show actually would you believe it right this show airs at four o'clock gmt um every friday i finish work every day at quarter to four so on a friday get home get a four pack of beer in maybe a snack or two and i put this show on and no matter how awful, how wretched my day might have been. Now, I don't usually have bad days. They're, like, If I have bad days, they're just usually a, a load of random shit coming together. Like, It's not because I hate the job or anything. But if ever I've even had a bad day, I can mm. just kick back, crack open a beer, much like Morrigo does. God bless that woman for loving lager, by the way. She's got good taste. Um, yes. But Crack open a beer. I'll put this show on. And everything that bothered me throughout the day up until that point just evaporates like it didn't mean shit. And it's so true that just the little rituals, the things you do for yourself, just to keep yourself sane and make yourself mm-hmm. feel comfortable, they're so important. I mean, not this anime, but Scum's Wish, which I watched earlier this year. One of the things that you might find bizarre, that I took away from that was there's a scene in which Moka, uh, the little princess girl, um, like goes through her routine of like getting herself like a proper like breakfast of tea and toast every morning. And it culminates with like a still image of her like eating the toast, and it's all like drawn very pastely. And she looks like she's having utter bliss. And I took, you know, what I took away from that. I was like, if you've got a little thing that you love to do, like maybe you play video games when you get home, maybe you have a raid in a world in World of Warcraft every so often with your guildmates, and you enjoy it, and it takes you out of the things that stress up bother you. Treasure that put it make it religious make it something that you do and enjoy i i watch certain films at certain times of the year because they're great to watch those times because they're part of like my reconsuming culture i watched the thing at halloween i watched die hard at christmas i watched Terminator two on my birthday like if you've got a a little ritual you like to do you fucking do it i say and you love it for
1: sure for sure um and that this all ties in with the next thing I briefly was gonna bring up, just that Hayashi is talking to I cannot remember the man's name that we talked about the has the green top knot, and he's a portly fellow.
0: Oh, do you mean uh Poyo?
1: Yes, he's talking to Poyo, and Poyo is saying like well, so all this stuff was happening in your real life, and we were worried it was going to make you log off and Hayashi says, you know." On the contrary, like, games are my salvation. Um, Like, that's when I need them the most, is when my real life gets out of control. Like, I see them as, like you said, something that keeps me sane, and not like a disposable hobby. Just like, well, real life is coming through. Like, let me, you know, I'll put this away for a few months or years or whatever and it just made me reflect on the fact that um you know since i was a kid like how far kind of games have come in terms of being integrated into our lives and our culture they i mean they are that for so many people like they're their stress relief they are a ritual to to calm um they are like so much more than like you know getting a high score or you know fucking around with friends like they are that too and that's that's great but um i think that they have become like a meaningful media Mm. and um not that they always weren't but i just think they have proliferated to the degree and have been around long enough that i mean they've really they've really integrated themselves again to use that word uh into into our lives, and uh, I just think that that's really neat.
0: Mm, I agree. Like, I've I, someone once said to me, right? Actually, um, on my curious cat, um, I'm wanting to go to a, t- a fight game tournament for the first time, and I'm really shy, and I'm worried. Like, what what, what advice would you have for? It? And I quote, uh, a shitbag like me. That that's Oof. not me. That's not me embellishing. That's what they wrote. Now, maybe they meant right. that sarcastically. It's text. It's uh-huh. not the easiest thing to infer. I didn't even know who this person was because it was submitted anonymously. But the thing I said to him first is that by actually going, you've already pa- jumped the biggest hurdle of it because you're on common ground. Like, people might make, make distinctions in fights games like, you know, between communities like Street Fighter, communities, tech communities, etc. End of the day, if you play a fighting game, you're part of the fighting game community. And that's the common mm-hmm. ground you start with. That makes, it, in my mind, everyone friends automatically. Like, it's at least the icebreaker that happens without you even having to do anything. You step into the tournament where that's being held, ice is broken, job done. So games can indeed be the glue that brings people and communities together. I mean, I've recently been witness to a lot of drama in the uh, community about, oh, games should be totally about competitive. I'm not here to make friends. And I'm the person who said that, well and, he, and and he knows who he is because he's a shithead and I told him to grow up. Um he came across about that particular opinion very arrogantly and very much like el- very elitist like fuck off I'm not interested in you know all that. I for my part again to come back to World of Warcraft. I don't really remember much about the individual raids I did. I know I did one where we did a really tough boss like we were the first group on the guild on the t- on the server to do it. That to me means nothing relative to the memories that I still carry of all the good interactions I had with people, and I think that you know, for games like that bring people together like that, and just even you just get people talking. Hell, let's go back to the anime. There's this very scene where the shop assistant wants to talk to her about it, but doesn't get the chance to. They never would have talked to us otherwise, but not for that common element. Mm-hmm. So. I think that speaks for itself to be quite honest. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Um so but yeah to get back to your what you asked me before my overall thoughts were that this episode was really great. Um it I think it, it was uh a bit meatier in that I think yeah I feel I feel like more happened and we got more more information whether it was directly or indirectly communicated to us about the people and the world they inhabit and how they're feeling and um so yeah uh I I was into it. Um great episode kept up the good vibes, the the laughs. Um I'm gonna give it uh four black Kirito coats out of
0: five. Nice, nice. Um I um pretty much the opinion that continues the pace where I've, it was me, uh meaty again i think i've to be cautious though of re perhaps reading too much into stuff like a lot of the things i've said in the discussion here i don't know if necessarily intentional that's always the minefield that you run i mean you've you said yourself though that you're always down for uh, interpretation by audience but mm-hmm. to give you an example um in star trek 2009 random random example but this makes sense right um, Kirk is doing the Kobayashi Maru test and he's eating an apple and people who watched that film who were Star Trek fans were like oh wait, that's a reference back to when he eats an apple in Wrath of Khan, the, the second film uh, but on the on the actual DVD commentary the, the writers were asked this and they said no, we just put an apple in there because it would be cool to have meat and apple not because it actually was a, t- a callback so I'm being I'm trying to be cautious about this reading. Well, I think switch. that does I in my opinion that doesn't matter. I,
1: we could get into this is a whole huge side discussion yeah. about authorial intent and how much it matters if it matters at all and all that sort of stuff but uh but yeah no I'm I think that just the fact that you got to think about it and the things were there for you to interpret uh is valuable in and of itself regardless of whether or not um, the show might be trying to say those things. Yeah. I don't think I think that matters far less.
0: Sure. Uh, but I'm certainly also in favor of the idea that I think that scenes should be constructed to have meaning, some just beyond being there. Yes. Like, if, oh, a yeah. char- if a character walks from one place to another, I'm not asking for it to be like incredibly deep, like Mariana Trench level of deep meaning and symbolism, but I'm asking it for just be like for. This scene is this person walks from this place, this place, and I don't then want the scene to also then just mean this person walks from this place, this place. Mm-hmm. I want mm-hmm. it to be this person walks to this place, this place, and something else happens that's relevant. Like, take the crystal gl- rose I mentioned, you know? Little detail like that, the blue hair, the self congratulating that Mario gives herself, like when she's mm-hmm. going through the supermarket. I think there is a lot going on this in this show and I'm hoping and praying that it's all building up to like a giant you know grand satisfying conclusion but the problem is when you're stacking a house of cards this big um, it looks impressive but if you want to keep stacking it higher it's going to be harder for it to keep together. So I'm hoping but for the moment I'm going to give this episode four and a half lint rollers out of five. <laughs> Excellent. So with that, folks, that is another stream of thought now ended. Uh, thank you all very much for listening. If you do have any thoughts on the show and what we've discussed so far, we're more than happy to in the comments. You can hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Shaden1010. The doc is at Doctor. because if there's any other yes. SuscelDoctors out there, they're fakes, they're frauds, they're phonies. They don't even have a medical license. No, nope. Lock them up. Um, Even but- if they're verified. That's not me, man. No, that doesn't count. That 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 blue badge is worth jack. It just means they're they're a Nazi doctor. Oh, and you don't want to be hanging out with Nazi doctors. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back very soon with episode four and episode five. Um, and until then, embrace each other, everyone, to the ends of the universe. ne.